Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa weekdays, 11 to noon. The Talking Tide podcast available to you at Podbean.com. That's our web host. It'll be there first every time we drop one. Also available on various apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. You can follow along there and get uh, immediate links to the podcast that way as well. And uh, Travis, we bring in this edition of the Talking Tide podcast, episode 152 in our four-year run, kind of closing out our fourth football season at podbean.com. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Alabama's football season as we sit, Travis, they just get this bid to the Citrus Bowl. I guess we'll start out on that topic. It's been a while, 2010, since Alabama was in a non-New Year's Six game. They'll be taking on those Michigan Wolverines New Year's Day, a noon central kickoff in Orlando. Yeah, and it's going to make it a little tough for a change, you know, just that kickoff time on New Year's Day with uh, the festivities from New Year's Eve. Might be tough on some of the crimson faithful. Rolling uh, out of those hotel yeah, beds a little slow. Yeah. And yeah, might be rolling out of that uh those uh on on property resorts there at Walt Disney World trying to stumble onto a shuttle or something and get down to Camping World Stadium, but um you know some nice storylines with this matchup and anytime you get two of the top 5 winningest programs in college football history that's going to attract some eyeballs i think from a television rating standpoint chase even if you include new year six bowls that don't incorporate the college football playoff uh i I gotta think the television numbers will be pretty good for this one even with a noon central kickoff it's heck of a helmet game isn't it I mean, with all the history yeah. involved there, it's definitely a helmet game, uh, one that will attract, I would assume, some pretty big ratings. Uh, and, you know, I, when I saw this matchup pop up, first thing I thought of was what that opener the two of them played five years ago and how far – how how much both programs one way or another have kind of evolved since then uh the the Alabama team that manhandled Michigan and Dallas to open the season five years ago whatever however many roughly five years ago uh that was an Alabama defense that that uh could bully people and would not be bullied and this Alabama defense in that way, frankly. So I, I'm not going to be shocked if, if Michigan uh, has its way on the ground a little bit, at least in spurts. Now, maybe if if if, uh, if Alabama ends up stacking the box and, and Darren Patterson to, to hurt him that way, then, you know, who knows? But uh, the, the, the Alabama defense, the, the Michigan offense probably hadn't changed a ton in five years, but this is not – the, the Alabama defense of 2014. Yeah, and you're going to have some uh, some storylines there that you can connect some dots with. Josh Gaddis leaving Alabama after one season a year ago as wide receivers coach, now the offensive coordinator for that side of the ball up there in Ann Arbor. Uh, Shea Patterson going to take another shot at Alabama as a starting quarterback. He did it a couple of years ago. And you're right, even if you want to just talk about in the last three years, 
this isn't the same defense that Shea Patterson saw in 2017, Shea. So I think Shea may be a, a little more excited about this uh, this this go around with the Alabama defense than he was. Uh, what was that? 66 to three here in Tuscaloosa a couple of years ago. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of chatter uh, in Alabama Nation right now, Travis, about who plays and who doesn't. Nick Saban address the possibility of Alabama they all strength. coming back chase didn't you hear <laughs> yeah didn't you hear you bet you they bet. all coming back Done uh, deal. nick saban uh that's right address the possibility of oh no no they all out. coming back <laughs> i heard it on the internet yeah yeah <laughs> yeah Hold okay your breath <laughs> so at yeah, that rate. is. You're yeah, right. Who's going to play? Who's as, got? It, yeah. You know, yeah, Nick Saban was asked about that during the teleconference on Sunday. And, um, you know, he gave the kind of answer you would expect uh, on December the 8th, anyway. You know, the game's not until New Year's Day. Uh, still some gathering, I would think, Chase. You follow this a good bit there with NFL.com, the draft process, especially. I mean, where are these guys at, Chase, in terms of making those decisions? I know every case is different. Uh, but you have until January 20th to declare. Um, and how many of these cases, if there's eight to 10 guys, well, we won't say eight to 10 because you do have some seniors that factor into this, like Trayvon Diggs um, and, and a couple of others, Raquan Davis being one of those uh, first round potential type of guys that aren't underclassmen. But it, let's say there's five to seven on this Alabama team as underclassmen pondering coming out for that 2020 draft. I mean, hard to again, generalize because every case is, is not the same, but where are we at in that process, Chase? Typically, I think, Yeah. I think you see a lot, probably most of these, uh, usually their Twitter declarations that I'm moving on to the draft. I'm not going to play in the, in the bowl game. If it follows the pattern of other schools, because like we said, Alabama hadn't been faced with this situation before, but following the patterns of other schools, we're going to know before Christmas on most yeah. or most or all of these guys. They're going to just go on and put it out there. I think Alabama's probably at risk to lose uh, more on offense than defense in terms of sit-outs. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how all that breaks down. I'm sure some will play. Nick Saban aptly pointed out that some of these guys could still help themselves a lot with a big game. Not all of them. They all got different circumstances, like like you mentioned, Travis. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the top guys, obviously, Judy Ruggs, uh, some of these uh, – and Jedrick Will, I tell you what, Jedrick, the scouts love Jedrick Wills. Uh, oh yeah, I, I, I think he's, you know, th- there's chatter that he's uh, definitely a, or moving into that first round pick range. Had a better year than Leatherwood. Not that Leatherwood didn't have a good year, but Will's strength and power in the run game, uh, and and the way he's able to combine it with with quality pass protection most of the time. Uh, that's that's definitely caught a lot of eyeballs. So we'll see what happens with some of these guys, but it'll be a chance, I'm sure, for uh, some some players who haven't played a ton to maybe break out. Scouts like it, right? When you take a lot of the guesswork out of the how a guy translates to the next level, and I don't think they have to do much in terms of wondering about that with Jedrick Wills. You said it: power, strength. Uh, at worst, he's going to be 
uh, an inside player. I think he could project inside if need be. Could be like a James Carpenter, right? Remember James Carpenter talking yeah. about the Citrus Bowl from 10 years ago? James Carpenter was a left tackle out of junior college for Alabama on that 2009 national championship team, came out uh, following his senior season in 2010, ended up going in the first round of the Seattle Seahawks in the 2011 NFL draft. Um, you know, and, and Carpenter eventually became exclusively an interior player in the NFL, but he's still in the NFL at last check and, and still a very productive player. That's sort of the, the trajectory, I guess you could say, Uh, the projection you could make for trajectory for Jedrick Wills, uh, I assume. Yeah, Carpenter, a surprise first-round pick uh, when he he came out for the draft. I I can remember Nick Saban's eyebrows uh, (laughs) shooting straight up uh, because I think – We got another on the line. We got another one on the line. I think at that point, if I remember right, they were still waiting on Ingram to go, and and Ingram and Saban were at the draft together sitting at the table waiting for his name to be called. Nobody thought it would be anybody but Ingram when somebody else from Alabama came up and bang – James Carpenter. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it was Carpenter. I think Carpenter was 25-ish. Yeah. And then Ingram was like three picks later at uh, 28. And all those guys, Chase, all those guys played in the 2011 Capital One Bowl. So you know all these guys nine years later will play in the uh, Citrus Bowl. It's not any different, Chase, than it was nine years ago, right? The yeah. environment. Of course, I'm, uh, I'm kidding, of course. Yeah. Uh, A little quite, different. Uh, question here now. Uh, of course, mid-January every year, you, you have that press conference where Alabama's underclassmen intending to go out for the NFL draft line up in the uh, Naylor Stone media room in Tuscaloosa. Nick Saban kicks off that press conference talking about how much each guy is meant to the program. And uh, then one by one, they, they stand up and say they're they're going on to the NFL. I guess occasionally we've had one or two stand go to that press conference, stand up and, and, and say I'm sticking around. All, nearly all of them, they're, they're there to say they're gone. Uh, but for the guys that decide to sit out the Citrus Bowl, Travis, are they part of that press conference? No, 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 or, no, no chairs. Yeah, uh, no yeah. Chairs. <laughs> I was about, I was wondering that, you know, I was thinking maybe, yeah, like you, maybe not. Oh, no, you lose the chair uh, day if you if you go ahead and sit out the bowl game. No chair needed. Um, you know you were thinking that with all the potential early departures, that it was going to look like kind of a cakewalk or something with all the chairs. You know you'd have enough you'd have enough chairs for a cakewalk. But uh, you're right because if guys are not only going to leave and go to the NFL, but also uh, not play in the bowl game, then you should get a good feel for that as early as the start of bowl practices coming up here. And look, there's not only underclassmen that have to consider whether or not they want to play in this game. The, the guys we've talked about, Trayvon Diggs, Raekwon Davis, if they get first round grades, um, you know, the, the, it's a possibility there. And, and, and what we're saying right now and what we're sort of advising to Alabama fans is don't let yourself get too high on rumblings and player-only meetings and the the word and the vibe and all those things. And don't let yourself get too low either. You know, anticipate that you're going to lose anywhere from four to six of these underclassmen and then be 
pleasantly surprised if it ends up being a number lower than that. Don't set yourself up, is what I'm saying, for something that could be you know, very likely to happen in terms of this underclassman exodus. Uh, and if it doesn't go that way, well, then look, you know, uh, you, you got a nice surprise there, Chase. You mentioned seniors maybe thinking about taking a pass on the bowl game as well. How about guys like Terrell Lewis, Anthony Jennings, who both have a bit of an injury history, Lewis in particular, that's a decision for them as well. Yeah, Terrell Lewis is a redshirt junior, but he did take part in the senior day activities, which pretty much right. told you what you needed to know there before the Western Carolina game. Um, you know, I think Anthony Jennings, assuming he's good to go, uh, it can still help him to play uh, because I don't see Anthony Jennings in a lot of first round mocks. Plus, you got to consider this for some of these guys, too. On Sunday night at the team banquet, you know, Anthony Jennings was named one of the four permanent team captains for the 2019 team. So that puts a little added weight for a guy like Anthony Jennings. You're a permanent team captain, right? And that that sort of requires your presence uh, against Michigan in that bowl game. That's a great point. Uh, conference championship Saturday, we'll move on and, and look at some of that action. Travis, your thoughts. Uh, LSU runs away with the game against the Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC championship. We saw Oklahoma State take care of business in a tight game with Baylor. Ohio State looks awful against Wisconsin for a half and then comes out of the halftime and, and blows them away. Uh, and, of course, Clemson taking care of business against Virginia. No surprise there. Yeah, and to go back to that previous comment about captain status and how it could impact your decision, Xavier McKinney, a junior, named one of those four captains, Chase, a yeah. guy that could potentially fall into that category. Devontae Smith, a junior wide receiver. Um, so something else to consider there. Uh, as far as LSU and uh, Georgia, I really wanted to see a competitive game. You, you kind of wondered how likely that was going to happen, considering that LSU seems to be getting stronger as the season wears on. And you talk about how injury luck can play a role in that. And it hasn't been all cherries, strawberries and cream for LSU. We know they've lost Michael Divinity for reasons off the field, the uh the, the linebacker there. So LSU's had some some situations. But really, when you look at this LSU team in comparison to Alabama and even Georgia, who had another couple of brutal injuries in the game Saturday that could very well impact the early season portion of 2020 for Georgia. Dominic Blaylock with a really rough-looking knee injury there. The wide receiver, you had a defensive player for Georgia also go down with that type of injury, it appeared. Um, so it was it, 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 it was the worst of, of everything sort of coming together for Georgia. You know, you're already pretty much without – DeAndre Swift wasn't 100% in the game. Lawrence Cager, Jake Fromm's clear-cut go-to guy, wasn't, wasn't able to play in the game at all. Uh, you got George Pickens. The freshman wide receiver suspended for the first half. So everything was set up for LSU to sort of get some some real separation uh, between itself and in uh, uh, Georgia there in the first half. And uh, for the most part, I thought LSU did that. But as it just wore on, it was pretty clear. You know, the, the more well-rounded 
uh, together type of team at this point in the season, the LSU Tigers. And I, I think LSU, rightfully so, was rewarded for that performance with the number number one overall seed in the college football playoff. Another element missing from that Georgia offense from a traditional standpoint, uh, I, you know, the tight end position has been a, a productive one for sure yeah. at UGA. I mean, historically, uh, you can go back a lot of years. They always seem to have a, a legit tight end who can who can uh, hurt people in the passing game. And if you're number one guy like Cage or out – for instance, et cetera, uh, typically Georgia has a tight end that you could feed six, eight touches and, and, and make yeah. up make up some of that production. Not there with this offense this year. No, and, and Hardman gone, Ridley gone, but not enough talk about a guy like Isaac Nauta not being around anymore going into 2019. My question for you, though, Chase, is, with all the hype about this Georgia offensive line going into the season with DeAndre Swift, and not just DeAndre Swift, a really deep and talented stable of backs, did it surprise you that in the in the biggest games of the year, it didn't seem like Georgia could really ride two areas that were deemed by most to be elite? I'm not. Did, did, I, I'm not. Did sure the Georgia yet. offensive line live up to all that in your opinion this year? I don't think it quite did as a whole. I think there are some individual seasons on that line that were outstanding. Certainly first tackle and in in likely in the 2020 draft, I would think uh, is would be one, but I don't think that Georgia offensive line could move as well as it needed to. And, I, and look, it was massive. There's no question about it. And I think a lot of the hype that you're talking about generated from the sheer size. And there was a lot of experience on that line as well. Uh, and and they could they could bully you here and there. But I don't know if that offensive line handled quickness at times quite as well as it needed to. And I think if you go back and, and, and look at games where – they didn't perform up front like they'd want to. That's what you see from from a successful defense. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, I, that, that's kind of what stuck with me about Georgia the most, though, was that, you know, you look at Fromm and, and that passing game and really pedestrian considering the, what you expected in terms of growth in that area. Again, though, a lot of turnover at the skill spots, a lot of turnover at the receiver positions, not just wide receiver, but as we just talked about, the tight end position. I just thought when Georgia really needed it this year, it would be able to get behind that offensive line and that running game and sort of have that area, that team carry it more than it did. Um, and I'm with you. There were some some strong individual performances uh, but you also had a change at the offensive coordinator position. It's kind of a down-the-hall hire by Kirby um, in, in promoting uh, James Coley from within the staff. Uh, you know, that's interesting in the in, from the standpoint of that Mike Bobo recently fired his head coach at Colorado State. Uh, it made a lot of sense that perhaps Kirby Smart, his very best friend, Probably in 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 out of coaching in coaching you name it because they were teammates at the University of Georgia. Uh, Kirby Smart and Mike Bobo thought there might be a reunion of the two there in Athens, but it looks like now Mike Bobo is actually headed to South Carolina to work for another former Bulldog safety and Will Muschamp. It just didn't seem like it ever came together for the Georgia offense in 2019. 
college football playoff matchups. We'll touch on those really quickly, Travis. I'm sure we'll talk about it more as those games get closer. But LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State v. Clemson, most attractive semifinal matchup to you. Ooh, of those two, it's it's tough. I mean, I like the storylines of OU LSU because you got Jalen Hurts returning to Atlanta for a four straight year, um, in a in a in a postseason against the team. Uh, he's quarter, yeah, yeah. He he yeah he beat LSU twice as a starter. Of course, we know Tua got the the win in 2018 in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, how much of the load can Jalen carry in that game? Because I think he's, you look at the injury situation right now for OU at the running back position. I think, I think Jalen said this on my radio show on Monday. I don't think Jalen can just have a Heisman finalist kind of performance. And he is one of those four Heisman finalists we know now to go along with the duo from Ohio state and the eventual winner as we all expect it to be in Joe Burrow. I don't think he can just have a Heisman finalist type performance chase. I think he's got to have a Johnny Manziel against Duke in the peach bowl years ago type of performance for the Sooners to pull this one off. But you know, just in terms of what I expect to be a more competitive matchup of the two, I probably still go with Ohio state. And Clemson, uh, those are two teams as two and three seeds that in a lot of years would be one seeds. Uh, and so that's going to have a national championship sort of feel to it uh, out there in Glendale. So I, th- that's the game I'm anticipating the most. But look, you can't go wrong with either. What about you? I think LSU OU has a chance to be more exciting. Although I think LSU is going to put up a ton of points, and and, and I, I like like you. I guess I'm not sure OU can keep up because LSU is going to bring a better defense to that football game. So yeah, from a um, from an entertainment standpoint, I think I like LSU OU more. From a competitive standpoint in terms of wanting to watch a game that's tight for four quarters, I would anticipate Ohio State Clemson more likely to be tight to the wire. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Like I said, I I don't think you can go wrong. Um, You know, I think in in this part of the country, no doubt, you know, a lot of people going to be rooting for Jalen Hurts, going to be interested to see how Jalen Hurts does. Uh, against a, a, an improving LSU defense of late. LSU on that side of the ball, been better the last couple of times out. Impressive performance to close out the, the regular season or the, the next to the last game of the regular season. I guess the SEC championship technically counts as a regular season game. But Texas A&M, really good in blowing out the Aggies. And then once again against Georgia um, you know, on Saturday in the SEC championship game. So... Uh, you know, CD lamb, I get it. There's weapons on this OU team and on this OU offense, but, uh, ultimately, uh, I think Jalen's going to have to be borderline superhuman to get it done, uh, in that early matchup on December the 28th. The Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors right now that help keep us around, starting with North River Dental Associates, former Alabama football player Dr. Jack Smalley and his professional staff of dental hygienists can do every kind of dental work there is, whether you need porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, 
teeth whitening services, endodontics, they do it all. Coming up on these holidays now, Christmas, New Year's, etc., you're going to be in a lot of pictures. You want your teeth to look as good as they can look for those photos. You know, the wives like those teeth and those husbands to look good too. Hey, teeth whitening services over at North River Dental, it's a good time for it. Uh, and the appointments, you're in and out in less than an hour on a routine cleaning, especially if you get over there twice a year like you're supposed to. Uh, appointments can be made at NorthRiverDentist.com or you can call 752-3506 for an appointment. It's North River Dental Associates located at 1100 Fairfax Park right off McFarland Boulevard as you head out toward Northport. We also want to thank Session Cocktails and Spirits, Tuscaloosa's newest cocktail bar, a smoke-free environment featuring pre-prohibition and modern classic cocktails made by a team of the most talented bartenders in all of Tuscaloosa. Hunter Wiggins and his staff will take care of you, whatever your spirit taste. Try that uh, $5 peanut butter, whis- peanut butter whiskey shooter. Uh, you could try the Capri, uh, the Sidecar, all kinds of different signature cocktails over there. A deep list of wines, a deep list of whiskeys, you name it. It's at 2221 University Boulevard in downtown Tuscaloosa session cocktails and spirits i'm going to tell you about brick and spoon right there in downtown tuscaloosa and i've got some exciting news for you when it comes to brick and spoon right there in timerson square uh introducing now the early bird specials now these run monday through friday from 7 a.m until 10 a.m again brick and spoon as we told you before home to a top 10 breakfast in all of the United States of America. Now, these early bird specials, they include, if you're a traditionalist when it comes to breakfast, they got you. With the sunrise breakfast, you're going to get an egg cooked your way, a couple of pieces of bacon, grits, toast, coffee included for just 8 bucks. Now, also that traditional Benedict, if that's your thing, if you like the uh, poached eggs, You're going to get that with an English muffin, Canadian bacon, and poached eggs served with grits for $8. Morning toast, if you keep it simple, two pieces of brioche French toast. uh, That's French toast and two pieces of pecan smoked bacon for just $6. Can't beat that. How about the bacon cheddar omelet? Pecan smoked bacon and cheddar cheese. You're going to get that omelet with a side item. Your side item selections, by the way, grits, cheese grits, breakfast potatoes, or toast. That bacon cheddar omelet with a side item, $7. That's Monday through Friday right now. Early bird specials for breakfast served from 7 a.m. until 10 a.m. Weekday mornings at Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. Also going to tell you about Southern Ale House out there in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, Alabama outstanding options whether it's lunch whether you want that uh, outstanding chicken sandwich yard bird that's a personal favorite of mine uh, got those great biscuit plates as well you can't ever go wrong with those cat head sized biscuits come a lot of different ways for you there at southern alehouse you know i got a uh i got a dm on monday night uh from a friend who had been by there on monday evening and got that smoked center cut pork chop oh usually comes with a uh a chutney of the day on top of that thick cut pork chop you can't go wrong with any of it at uh southern ale house 1530 mcfarland boulevard north in the indian hill section of tuscaloosa 
Talk of Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you for a few more minutes. The uh, Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. want to thank our listeners abroad, Travis, checking out these podbean.com geography stats. Just a quick update for you. Uh, catching a couple of downloads as far away as uh, the UK, Australia, Spain, and Japan. I'm, there you go. I, I, I would... Uh, I, I'm sure it's might be easy enough to to chalk that up to Alabama's reach, but I'm gonna say it's our reach. I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the credit yeah. for us. Yeah, so, uh, soon to be world famous talking <laughs> tide podcast. Yeah, gotta love it. Couple bits of news you touched on it uh, earlier, Travis. The Heisman finalists. We'll hit on that really quickly. Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Chase Young. Your finalists. Two from Ohio State. Uh, the Conventional wisdom is that Joe Burrow runs away with this thing, Travis. Do you think it's tighter than people expect, or, or do you expect it to be a, a runaway like most? No, I think it's a television show, and you can't have just one guy, right, show up. That doesn't make for a good television show. So you need content, which means you need at least three or four total uh, candidates, finalists to be there. So, yeah, look, it's great. Joe Burrow is going to win the award. I love that Jalen Hurts is going to go out with this type of experience uh, after the, you know, his situation and 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 what he uh, sort of accepted and, and stayed on board with at Alabama in 2018. So you're happy for Jalen. Uh, I'm interested to hearing, and this is the great thing about it in terms of the television show, we'll learn more about some of these guys than we knew going into the ceremony, into Saturday night. So uh, the storytelling is always a, a, a big part of the television show that is the Heisman Trophy uh, you know, award show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's Joe Burrow, right? I mean, it, it can't possibly be anyone else. Joe Burrow didn't have the type of Southeastern Conference championship game that Tua Tonga-Vailoa had a year ago. And I'm not sure even if in this year, if that had been the case with Joe Burrow, he still wouldn't have won the award. So uh, he only uh, reaffirmed uh, his status as the uh, eventual Heisman Trophy winner. And uh, I don't know. I don't, you know, with Twitter, here's where Twitter's kind of screwed me up with some things like the NFL draft. And I, I don't, I don't need to watch it on television anymore. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, obviously if, if there's a guy from Alabama that's in the, in the hunt there in the finals, uh, and, and could possibly win it as a finalist, I, I need to be watching that. But otherwise it's become one of these sort of Twitter events more than a television event in terms of what, getting what you need from, from what's going on at the event. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, typically the, the interviews at, at these kind of ceremonies are, uh, they're almost like coach halftime interviews and you know, yeah. the, the answers tend to be a little bit canned and, and uh, after a while you, you, you wish the, the TV show could move along to the punchline, which of course isn't going to come until uh, they've been on the air for half hour, an hour, whatever the length may be. Uh, other topics, Travis, uh, got to touch. We're already, uh, we're already where we usually close things out, Travis. I guess we'll run just a bit long tonight though. Cause we got to touch on Ole Miss hiring Lane Kiffin, right? <laughs> Lane, Lane Kiffin, Grove bound, Travis, uh, to well, coach and, Ole Miss. and, and I, I think it, it could prove to be a really good hire in terms of on the field results. 
but what it certainly does and definitely in that state is it's a needle mover and beyond that state. I mean, it, it goes nationwide. Anything involving Lane Kiffin, whether you like the guy, whether you don't like the guy, whether you appreciate what he's done in the past at previous stops like Alabama, which I think any Alabama fan, regardless of what they think about Lane in some other areas of perhaps his life, uh, they have an appreciation for what Lane Kiffin uh, accomplished here. Um, it's it's a needle-moving hire, man. People are talking about Ole Miss. Uh, people are talking about Lane Kiffin. Uh, and if I'm a Mississippi State fan right now, it's tough. Yes, we've won two straight over Ole Miss if I'm a Mississippi State fan. But when you talk about juice, juice and driving a program in terms of uh, being relevant on the national scene, uh, I, I think Ole Miss fans are comfortable with Mississippi State having the golden egg right now. They'll take the uh, the sort of uh, buzz that is around the the Ole Miss program with the hiring of Lane Kiffin, Chase. going to be real interesting to see Lane Kiffin's recruiting prowess uh, from Oxford. Uh, some coaches have been able to extend the reach. Some haven't out of that state. And, and uh, he's definitely got a reputation as an outstanding recruiter. Your guy, uh, Rich Rod, uh, moving on reportedly. Not a surprise that Kiffin and Rich Rod just don't do the same things. Uh, mm-hmm. Your thought, where, where might Rich Rod land, I wonder? Yeah, I, I think I think Rich Rod showed you this year as an offensive coordinator, uh, he he can he can do a good job with that. Now you're going to be run centric. You're going to spread the field to run the ball. You're going to be that power spread. And you're going to need a quarterback that's going to be able to carry it twenty plus times a game probably. Uh, and that's where you, you kind of feel for John Rice Plumley in all this because what Rich Rod did offensively this year was perfect for John Rice Plumley, and he had the numbers to show for it. Um, but with Lane coming in there, you wonder what that means for Plumley. Is it a good thing for Matt Corral, who opened the season as a starter, more of a, a passer type than a runner? Um, you know, and kind of from what, what, the thing about Lane, though, is we've seen him take personnel like Blake Sims that most people felt like was not suited for the quarterback position and get a whole lot out of that guy in 2014. So uh, that's what I'm going to be interested to see first and foremost is what Lane does with some of this, uh, you know, this personnel he's inheriting. All right, before we get out of here, real quick on Alabama basketball, the Crimson Tide men's team sitting at 4-4 four and four on the season as we podcast now. Uh, just beat Stephen F. Austin 78-68, five players in double-figure scoring uh, for that game. Uh, another interesting note out of that game, Travis, is this was a head-scratcher for me. Herb Jones managed to foul out in 16 minutes. Yeah. That's hard yeah, to Herb, do. <laughs> you know, Herb is – it's kind of an up-and-down thing with Herb. And it's tantalizing with Herb Jones because he has that athleticism. He has that length. He can guard guys typically one through five. Uh, and so you're still sort of waiting for the upload to, to complete with Herb Jones and for him to become that you know consistent player that you know he, he wants to be and he works to be. Uh, and that Nate Oates, especially in this type of system, needs him to be. Uh, 20 more turnovers for Alabama in the win over Stephen F. Austin. I'll tell you a number that concerns me is Kyra Lewis playing all 40 minutes, Chase. I mean, how sustainable is that right. over the course of a season? And, and it's kind of where you're at right now if you're Nate Oates. You know, obviously, you'd love to have a Javon Quinterly 
to help play and, and take away some of those minutes. But um, that's kind of where this team is right now because of you know injury and some other situations. And it's not going to get easier next weekend when Alabama travels to Penn State, a really solid Big Ten club, a team that a lot of people feel like will be in the NCAA tournament come March. So it's been a challenging non-conference portion of this this season for Nate Oates, and uh, that doesn't take a break coming up in Happy Valley. Not as much turnover in terms of minutes for a first-year coach as you would normally expect either. I mean, look, Nate Oates, with the exception of Jaden Shackelford, Nate Oates is basically playing with Avery Johnson's team. Uh, and, and I think with most first-year coaches, you'd see more turnover in terms of who's playing and for how long than that. That's in part due to injuries forwards. Jawan Gary, James Rojas, obviously not playing this season after getting hurt. And also, as you noted, Javon Quinterly, the eligibility ruling on him. You know, maybe if those three guys are involved, it's a little bit of a different picture, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's Oates' system right now, but it's mostly Johnson's team still. It is because of the, the situations that you outlined specifically, um, you know, and, and they're going to be perimeter based. And, and I think even when they have, you know, a little more of a presence from a talent standpoint in the post, it's still going to be a team that's going to look to get that first good shot up, going to shoot a lot of threes regardless. Um, and so that, that's not going to, that's not going to change, uh, moving forward. But, um, yeah, I got to continue to work on taking care, better care of the basketball, uh, and, and trying to get that three-point percentage number, that efficiency from three up uh, to a little more acceptable level. So, you know, Alabama shot 35 free throws against Stephen F. Austin last Friday night, so that was a good thing. Uh, you know, but but again, from a schedule standpoint, you know, and you look at what this team's going to have immediately out of the gate in SEC play, uh, you know, it it. it, it if this is an if this ends up being an NCAA tournament team, uh, I, it's going to be tough for Nate Oates to top that type of coaching job because just looking at this team right now, that's not what you see. That's definitely not what you see at this point in the season. Again, Alabama sitting at four and four. Up next for Alabama, a road game at Penn State. It's going to air on the Big Ten Network Saturday, one p.m. Central Time. And on the Talking Tide podcast, we'll be talking more about Alabama basketball as the podcast moves deeper into the winter and on into the spring. Uh, we'll keep football up front and center as much as possible through those months, but uh, we tend to talk a little bit more basketball as basketball season warms up, especially when it gets into conference play. So uh, looking forward to talking more Alabama basketball in the forthcoming pods. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.